This message was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire, a contemporary Christian church in the north of England. Learn more at lifelanks.org. You know, someone said, well, if, if the church didn't want Christmas to be uh, commercialized, why did God send Jesus at Christmas? And that's kind of a classic example of missing the point of what Christmas is. And I think as church, it's our job to keep the story going of what Christmas is all about. Not in a a negative way to say, don't do this and don't do that. No, we emphasize the positive. And that's what we do at Life Church to say, yeah, there's great things to celebrate. Number one, that Jesus came to be the Savior of the world. When the angels announced his birth, they said, joy to the world. And so as Christians, we should be full of joy. If you're not full of joy and you say you're a Christian, I reckon you're possibly an imposter. Because we're full of joy. Now, sometimes we're not, we're not happy about our circumstances, but we can still have the joy of God in our lives. We can still be full of joy. You know, some people's joy is so deep, you need a potholder to find it. That's not really the kind of Christianity it's supposed to be because we have the joy of God in our hearts and in our lives because of what God has done. Indeed, joy to the world at Christmas. In uh, the book of Luke, it says, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And we celebrate that. Now, if anyone was wondering what Life Church is all about, if you were here last week, on a 6.2 meter wide screen, we had one word, Jesus. And so, please don't misunderstand. What, this is not a self-help group. This is not a community association. This is a place that celebrates Jesus. This is a place where Jesus is the center, not just at Christmas, but we've decided that he's going to be the center of our lives. He's going to be the center of our, of our gathering. He's going to be the center of everything we do. So we're always going to come back to the main thing, and that's Jesus, and we celebrate who he is. You know, if anyone claims to be a follower of Jesus, we have a responsibility to keep the story going, the story of Christmas. We have the job of keeping it going, keeping that story going. The Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, you know, these are not just ceremonial titles. I I read of a a duchess who died uh, last month, and she had um, many, many titles. She had more than 17 ways in which she could be called a duchess. It gave her a lot of sort of ceremonial opportunities. She didn't have to bow in the presence of the Pope. Me neither, actually. But she didn't have to do that because this title uh, um, made, her, made her free from having to do that. And, uh, but these are all ceremonial. There wasn't really any power with them. But when it, it said Jesus came as Messiah, when he came to be our Lord, when he came to be the King of Kings, these are not ceremonial titles. This is actually who he is. And that's who we celebrate at the heart of Christians, uh, of Christmas for Christians That's who Jesus is. Now, in the Old Testament, and then we come into the New Testament writers, we see in the Gospels, they talk about Jesus. 
And it's something called Christology, which is the nature and character of Jesus. It's, when you use words like doctrine and theology, you think, well, that's a bit dry and boring. But this is really important because we need to grasp more of who Jesus really is. Because if we live a life and we, don't, we only touch the surface of understanding who Jesus is, I think it's a great example in missing the point of what life is about. Because we can get into relationship with this King, this Messiah, this Lord. We can get into relationship with this Jesus. Jesus and the theologians for 2,000 years, as well as the gospel writers, called Jesus prophet, priest, and king. And I want us to think about that over these next couple of weeks. And you know, that doctrine, that theology says that Jesus performed these three functions as prophet, priest, and king. I specifically want to look at for a few moments at this idea of Jesus being prophet. But as we look at it, he was more than a prophet. He was more than a priest. He was the priest. He was more than a king. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. So prophet, priest, and king does not restrict him. It doesn't confine him in any way to these three roles and functions, but it shows us something more than that. You know, the prophet reveals, the priest reconciles, and the king rules. So think about that for the moment. The prophet is revealing God the Father The priest reconciles us to God, and the king rules over us as our Lord. So Jesus is the revealer, he is the reconciler, and he is the ruler, prophet, priest, and king. He's all of those things. He is the center of Christmas. He is the story. He reveals to us, he reconciles us with God, and he is our king that rules over us. Without Jesus, there's no Christmas. Without Jesus, there's no understanding of who the Father God really is. Without Jesus, there's no way to be in relationship without, with Father God. Without Jesus, there is no secure, consistent leadership in our lives. He is our prophet, priest, and king, revealer, reconciler, and ruler. It was prophesied in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 18 that Jesus would come as a prophet. It says there, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among the fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell them everything I commanded them to do. So there is the prophetic word of who Jesus is coming and what Jesus has come to do. Now that's an interesting scripture that tells us that Jesus is going to come as prophet. But as I said, it's not just a prophet, he's the prophet. He's revealing to us who the God the Father really is. And if you look through the New Testament in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see that many times people refer to Jesus as that prophet from Nazareth. Now that was often because they didn't fully understand that he was the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. They didn't really understand he was God the Son, but they refer to him many, many times as a prophet. But for us, we understand that Jesus was more than that, we understand that he is God the Son and he is the King of Kings. And that revelation is by the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes when you talk to people, if you're a Christian and you talk to people about 
this fact of who Jesus is. You know, what we get excited about, we so love with God, we so appreciate who God is and what God's done for us. But sometimes when you talk to people, it's almost as if, well, they just don't get it. Well, that's because they haven't had the same revelation. That doesn't make us better than them. It just means that God, we, we, we've been, this has been revealed to us, but we can believe that God will continue to reveal himself to people time after time. So if you're here this morning and have never really kind of grasped who Jesus really is, you're just here to support someone's been baptized or you've heard about this uh, church, you wanted to check it out for yourself or whatever reason, I actually believe that right at this moment you can get a greater understanding of who Jesus really is and it can be revealed to you, he can be revealed to you as that king, that master, that lord. I actually believe that that can happen. Just some more uh, scriptures for, for you. In John 12, 49, Jesus says, I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. So he's not just bringing the word of God. He is the word of God. So he's not just coming with his own ideas. He's speaking on behalf of the Father. John 1, uh, 18, uh, Jesus said, No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. God shows us who he is through Jesus. One other scripture for you in Hebrews chapter 1. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. Now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. The son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. Think about that for a moment. Jesus, God the Son, expresses the very character of God. He's not just talking about something. He's not just bringing us a message. He is actually the embodiment of who God is, and he expresses that character to us. Jesus put it succinctly and very clearly. He said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So to know Jesus is to know God the Father. And so that's why Christmas is so important. The story, the center of of Christmas is that Jesus came to earth. And that's the story that we need to keep that story going. Jesus is the center of that story. God sent his son, our savior, to show us who God is what God is like. Now, we, we know that Jesus came so that he could be the forgiveness of our sins. We know that Jesus came to rescue us. But, you know, we also must not miss the fact that Jesus came to reveal to us what God is really like. And we need to, I, I believe it's important that we kind of grasp this idea that we can search, we can dig, we can we, we can um, check out or more and more about Jesus because it's not just a surface thing. Yeah, Jesus came to be our Savior. Fantastic. No, we can actually really, really get to know Jesus. And by getting to know him, we have a greater understanding of who God is. So what is God like? Jesus came to show us what, God's like, what God is like. And you know, there's one word kind of sums it, sums it up, and that's love. God is love. That's what God's like. God isn't just someone who loves. He is love. God is love. John 3.16, this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son. That's the story of Christmas. God's love sent Jesus as a gift to mankind to be our savior. 
1 John 3.16, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So put those two scriptures together. We know what love is because God sent his son. We know what love is because out of that love, Jesus gave up his life for us. That's the story of Christmas. That's what Christmas is all about. Christmas proves what, that God is love. Here's a quote that I, that I just picked up the recently. It says this, the Bible is one long story of God meeting our rebellion with his rescue, our sin with his salvation, our failure with his favor, our guilt with his grace, our badness with his goodness. Just think about that quote for a minute. I think that's just beautiful. We sometimes think that we have to do something to strive to be acceptable to God. Yes, we've received God's forgiveness, but the rest of our lives in our Christian walk, we just, am I ever going to be good enough? Am I ever going to improve? Am I I ever going to get anywhere? But you know, no, remember what the story's about. It's about God's rescuing us. It's about, it's about, yeah, our failure, but we meet with God's, failure, with, with God's favor. It's, yes, it's our guilt, but it's God's grace. Yes, it's our badness. It's our struggle. It's our difficulties. It's our mistakes. It's the times when we slip up. It's the times when we mess out. But that's always been met with the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the goodness of God, the love of God is always coming at us. So don't just think, I'll never be good enough. No, God says, I've made you worthy. You'll never be worthy, but God says, because of my, my, the sacrifice of my son, I have given you that opportunity to come into relationship with God. What's God like? Well, God is love. I think it's such a, an incredible thing that we can get to know God more and more and more. Just a few weeks ago, we did a series called Dream Big. In that uh, series, Dream Big, we had one particular scripture which says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And God has continued to speak to me through this scripture. And you know, sometimes you can read that scripture like this. We can read it. Well, if we take delight in God, then God will give us everything we want and everything we need. We can, we can take that. But actually, we're missing the point. The main emphasis of the scripture is that we should take delight in God. The main emphasis is that we should seek to get to know God better and better and better. It's not an end in itself. If I do this, if I delight in God, I'll get what I need and get what I want. No, it's not about that. It's not about if I do this, God has to do this. It's never about that. We don't bargain with God. We don't do deals with God in that respect. No, there's so much about God to find out through Jesus in relationship with Jesus that we ought to take delight in him. It's not an end in itself. There's so much more. So what's God like? God is love. What does God require of us? Well, simply this same word, love. God wants us to love him and to love others. It's as simple as that. And when we do love God, we want to please him. When we do love God, we don't want to do things that would hurt him. We don't want to do things that would be against him. That's the expression of love. That's what love looks like. The second part of 1 John 3, 16 says, So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. It talks about sacrificial love. That's the demonstration that God gave for us his sacrificial love, but also shows us that our lives are to be lived sacrificially for other people. Can you be a Christian? I wonder. Can you be a Christian? 
Can you really love God and not love other people? I don't think the Bible gives us that option, actually, because it's clear that, that we are to love others, not just to think about ourselves. When we receive love, we give it. When we experience love, we express it. If we have the means to help someone, we have no option but to do that because that's what love looks like. It's practical in that respect. Love is relational. It's by people, with people. You can't just love abstractly. It's people. With your family, you love your family. It's not just an idea and a concept. I love the idea of family. No, it has to be practical. You're loving your family. Love is relational. Love is incarnational. You know, we use that word at at Christmas. Incarnational means it put on flesh. God the Son put on flesh. That's what it's all about. That's what the Scripture says, that Jesus became flesh. And we literally have to be that flesh and blood to other people so that we can help people, minister to people, encourage people, and so on. Love is also intentional. It has to be focused on people. Love is by people, with people, for people, whatever. It's all of that. It has to be intentional. It is relational, incarnational, and intentional. Christmas is Jesus. If you look at Jesus, you'll never misunderstand what Christmas is all about. We see in him what the Father's love absolutely looks like. Christmas, the center of the story, is Jesus The question is, is he the center of your story? He's the center of the story of Christmas, but he actually can be the center of your story, the center of my story. He can be the center of our lives. He wants to be Lord in that respect. Jesus came as prophet to reveal who God is to us. The invitation to each and every one of us is that we accept him into our lives to be Lord and Master and Savior of our lives, we, enter, we invite him in, and that's what makes the difference. He can become the center of our lives. This morning, we're going to witness 12 people, fantastic people, special people. We're really proud of you. We're going to be cheering them on. We're not just going to watch. This is a fantastic opportunity. But you know, they've decided that Jesus is going to be the center of their lives. What a great decision! What a fantastic thing that we, some of you here because of members of your family and friends and so on, what a great thing it is that we can cheer them on. But let's make sure that we have decided that Jesus is also going to be the center of our story. Discover more about us at lifelanks.org and stay inspired by subscribing to the podcast via iTunes. Thanks for listening.